Um, so it really makes no sense. I mean, it's not like the Texans are, are notorious for their joined up thinking in terms of their organization. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we're looking at the NFC South and both the highs and lows that sit in there. So hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? How is all in Cork? I know you're now just uh, back from the adventures of trying to fix your tech issues with a headset there, Sean. How, apart from that, is yeah, life down I... there? <laughs> Well, that's consumed the last day or so trying to get this thing to work properly, but um, I don't know. I, I've i learned a lesson, which is to not buy the cheap version of anything. <laughs> just go in and buy the expensive one and, and be done with it. But uh, apart from that, things are not too bad. I am, I'm officially immune, I guess. Is that the term for it? Yeah. I mean, I'm seven yep. days past second vaccination. so um, Very good. I fear COVID no more. Yeah, I just I just received my uh, second vaccination earlier today, and uh, I felt completely fine. Then about an hour ago, I felt a bit tired, so I had a nap for twenty minutes, and now I ate two chocolate biscuits, and I'm having a beer. So uh, it's going great. Yeah, I believe we're all now fully vaccinated in the sense of having both vaccination doses. So we're we're doing better than certain people in the NFL, uh, but we'll get back to that later. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a rough one. How about yourself? It's any shka with yourself? Nothing pretty quiet. Just been tipping away, had a quiet weekend, and yeah, besides the vaccination, just uh, hopefully looking forward to things getting back back to normal and uh, hanging out with about 199 people exactly. Yeah, about that many, I think it's okay, as long as it's in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also had we had the draft of one of our fantasy leagues uh, on the weekend, which was good fun. It was our first drafting experience so far, and it was uh, difficult. A 16-man league that drafts over a month before the start of the season is always a bit of a... Bit of a difficult one, but it was fun. Um, I suppose we'll start in with the news. So we've had a couple of uh, bits of transaction news. So Cleveland have extended running back Nick Chubb, three years, 37 million. With realistically, it's kind of a two-year, 22 million deal, I think. Um, but yeah, so this is a, you know, three-down running back who doesn't need to do three downs because they've also got Kareem Hunt there in the backfield. Uh, excellent player, looks to be good for them this is okay money for him and kind of locks him in for the two years and they can kind of get out of the contract or renegotiate at that point. So I think it's a win-win for all involved, right? Yeah, this is a, this is a big thing for the Browns. I mean, obviously they had such a good year last year and they're looking to extend on that. They're looking like this could be a, I mean, the word championship probably shouldn't be used in conjunction with the, with the Cleveland Browns, but that is probably what they're aiming at. And Chubb is obviously a very big part of that offense. Um, even with someone like Hunt in the backfield, he's still the, the predominant producer there and will do so for a number of years to come. So, yeah, he's a very important part of that of that puzzle. And now it's about getting to work uh, elsewhere on the field um, for the Browns to go far uh, this year. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not an unreasonable contract, I think. Like running back to one of those positions just doesn't seem to, to get paid. And this puts him around like the fifth or sixth best paid running back. And... To be honest, I think for both parties, that's a pretty good deal. As, as you kind of mentioned, I think the guaranteed money kind of makes up for the fact that the, the numbers aren't necessarily that gaudy up front. Yeah. Um, Washington football team have extended defensive tackle Jonathan Allen, four years, 72 million. This is Lockjay, another piece on that quite formidable looking defense. This is a team that's still up in the air on what it's kind of doing somewhat on offense they've got Fitzmagic there they've got some rookies they've got some second year players they've got nice pieces everywhere but uh, the, the the big element of this team what's going to allow it to contend possibly for their division is the defense Jonathan Allen's a decent part of that and this uh, makes a lot of sense to me yeah like he's had a, a few injury issues throughout his career but he's managed to get over them over the last couple of years and I think the main thing is that he's very good at getting interior pressure and when you're talking about the defensive linemen especially interior defensive linemen who tend to get paid it's those guys who can affect the pocket on every down and who obviously aren't a complete liability in the run game so i think alan is one of those guys that you know if things have gone a little bit better for him he probably could be considered a superstar but i think considering the quality of the people around him on that line there's a decent chance he could easily have a breakout season and end up costing more so smart business on their end to kind of firm up that defensive line and the strength of that team yeah 
Baltimore signed edge defender Justin Houston for a one-year deal worth up to four million. Uh, this makes an awful lot of sense to me. I was half hoping he'd land back at the Chiefs, but I believe there's some bad blood still there. Um, look, rotational pass rusher has had very high points in his career. Is obviously on the downward trajectory, but this is a quality player at a position where they're cheap enough that you can rotate them as well. Uh, makes perfect sense for Baltimore to me. Yeah, this is a classic Baltimore move. We know they're they're very weak. Uh, they had like little depth on the in terms of pass rusher. So I think getting someone like Justin Houston at this stage of the season makes a lot of sense and means that they're not requiring like their first round rookie away to kind of make an immediate impact. And like because like you know the thing with the Ra- Ravens is that it usually takes a few years for pass rushers to fully come into their system, and then they tend to succeed. So I think given where they are in terms of developing young players, it makes sense to get someone like Justin Houston to maybe you know fill the gap until they're ready to go. Yeah. Speaking of Houston, Sean, uh, Houston has done a late round swap pick uh, pick swap for Anthony Miller from Chicago. Is this the final piece that puts them over the edge and makes them a championship team? Because it's, if it's one thing the Texans need is another player on their roster. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, I've lost count of how many actual skill players, uh, quote unquote, that they have at this point. They seem to have every running, every mediocre running back and every mediocre wide receiver in the game has ended up at the Texans and I don't know how they're going to make a team out of it but they sure are going to try yeah Philly signed cornerback Steven Nelson uh, again makes sense late in the season decent rotational player will be able to help them out there um, yeah just yeah good um, business like, there's lots of small signings like this like B.D. Westbrook gone to Minnesota Jesse James gone to Chicago like guys who contribute something but I think Nelson's the only one who probably has a reasonable chance of being a starter because they're depth outside of Darius Slay and to be honest Darius Slay's underperforms he's got there um, is relatively thin so he might have a chance to have be a starter on that team uh, which is really rebuilding at the moment yeah and uh, the big news obviously following our uh, NFC North preview last week was um, the Green Bay have restructured Aaron Rodgers contract the final year has been removed the need to repay money if he ends or retires after this year has been removed um, so it essentially reads like it's setting it up for an easy trade uh, slash retirement next year if uh basically giving Rodgers the ability to just get out of the deal uh, if he wants but also setting up Green Bay to trade him and make him easier to trade Uh, and then in addition to this to show how much they're loving Aaron and wanting to take his input they have traded for Randall Cobb from Houston um, which let's be honest they wouldn't do if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers requesting it Uh, I'm not sure how much Cobb has got left in the tank but sure it's a small gesture of good faith towards them after what has been a rather rocky off season yeah like the randall cobb situation like the front office kind of basically said we probably wouldn't do this but aaron Rodgers requested it and apparently that's an important criteria right now so uh, i think the interesting point for aaron Rodgers, though is that either he's likely to get traded next year where this is kind of moot but if he's planning to stick around longer than that now that he has asserted his dominance and asserted some level of control over the actual roster, even a minor change like this, suddenly the expectations and the pressure kind of come onto him. Like if Randall Cobb doesn't do anything this year and they don't and they underperform a little bit, suddenly Aaron Rodgers will be under scrutiny. Now, if he's leaving Green Bay anyway, that doesn't really matter. But if we're talking about something that could potentially turn into, you know, not a complete divorce straight away after this season, yeah. um, those issues come into play. But uh, I think we talked enough about the uh, strenuous... Uh, relationship between these two teams uh, uh, people at the moment last week so we can uh, probably move on for now and just let him get down to playing football which he will probably still be pretty good at yeah look just overall it's pretty nice to have Aaron Rodgers back playing so I'd rather watch him play than have him like not play and just sit in the sidelines um, crime and punishment what are they doing it's probably felonies uh, New Orleans wide receiver Deontay Harris has been arrested on a DUI uh, an NFL suspension is likely incoming on this I think the normal standard one on this is about two games right yeah, and like, look, if they had uh, Michael Thomas and things like that, this probably wouldn't be a big deal. But I think based where they were, he was probably like, you know, second or third on their depth chart at the moment. And now he is likely to spend time off the team. And uh, considering how much depth they have a wide receiver, which we'll talk about later, um, this could be more significant than it really has any right to be. Mm. That's fair. And cornerback uh, Jeff Gladney has been indicted on domestic violence charge related to choking his former partner. This guy was a first-round pick last year, if I remember correctly. 
And uh, he's been released by Minnesota. The agent has obviously put out a statement saying, well, isn't it great that we have innocent until proven guilty in this country, even if not here, and they are plan to make a return to football and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so he's no longer with Minnesota. I would imagine no one's going to touch him until some of this gets cleared up. So, yeah. Yeah, like it's, you know, obviously if the uh, accusations are true, then he will probably could spend some time uh, in prison and will probably not play in the NFL again. If he manages to get this to go away, then someone will probably pick him up as a former first rounder. That's just the way things are. But uh, obviously our, our thoughts are with, with the victim uh, at this point and hopefully they get justice. So. No, of course. Um, controversy corner. We've had, as you can imagine, a bit of uh, excitement happening uh, all around the league with COVID, 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 and people now being able to see who is and isn't getting vaccinated. Minnesota had a QB room COVID outbreak, including unvaccinated Kirk Cousins, because that's what we needed to know about him. It's really pushed him over the edge into being a nice guy. Um, so they have the lowest vaccination rate at about 70%. Um, this is, yeah, like, it's a bit of a mess for them. It all comes after need to make an arrangement with the offensive line due to his non-vaccination on it. Um, New England have gotten rid of one of their offensive line coaches, Cole Popovich, over his position on 2021 uh, vaccination and not getting vaccinated. And uh, there's been very public statements from the likes of um, Washington about their issues with... Um, with, with vaccination rates, particularly given that they have a head coach who went through cancer treatment and is immunocompromised. I did quite like, I believe, wasn't it their head coach that did the, um, that told the press when to go out and have a look at the uh, car park because the guys who had to sit and wait for their tests because they aren't done would all be sitting in their cars waiting for their tests to come through? Yeah, and like, this is actually, there's a number of issues going on here particularly in Minnesota, who have the lowest vaccination rate in the league at the moment, around 70%. Um, but of course, they ended up being involved with a with a quarterback. But like we had other quarterbacks who've had COVID-19, and like Lamar Jackson is, uh, I believe, coming off the list very, very soon. But I think the difference that happened here is that Kirk Cousins hasn't really talked that much publicly about it, but his coach, Mike Zimmer, basically came out and said he doesn't believe in COVID protocols. He doesn't want to get vaccinated. And Mike Zimmer basically went, you know, two feet in tackle on all of his team and people who aren't getting vaccinated. And that's after he had a situation where his offensive line coach, Rick Dennison, said he wouldn't get vaccinated. And then they had to come to a special arrangement and to kind of not fire him completely. He probably won't. You know, to some extent, he'll probably be kind of pseudo ol coach but he may not be the full-time full offensive line coach so minnesota in particular seems to be having a, a very odd time with this and i think just breaking in the last day or so is that the nflpa interestingly is talking about pushing for the return of daily testing for all for all players whether vaccinated or unvaccinated because of these vaccinated players getting it and then having to miss time and stuff like that mm. um so that's it's it, that's an interesting change especially because avoiding stuff like that is part of the huge incentive to get vaccinated and now i think even very recently some players like jimmy graham have come out well i felt like i was forced to get vaccinated because of the advantages of not doing that and now you're telling me that you're going to bring in stuff where everyone has to do this stuff anyway so this is a evolving situation um but the minnesota vikings in particular seem to be making a, a bit of a a bit of a screw up of it and then obviously teams like washington they're having issues as well um but i think the only person to actually get fired or cut at this point is new england uh, i think fired their co-offensive line coach because new england called popovich um because he wouldn't get vaccinated so but i don't expect that will be the last person to lose their job over this particular situation and the nflpa is now throwing another wrench into the whole thing yeah, these stories are going to run and run and run. This is, I think, going to be a very big part of the season to come, especially when we get into winter and there might be additional waves uh, and the way it feeds into the wider issues in American society between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, the, the new recommendations that vaccinated people now have to wear masks indoors, which that they'd be removed after they thought they'd reached herd immunity and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, this is... This is a real fault line in American society and is going to be a real fault line in the NFL, especially once there are proper outbreaks that, that break through the vaccination um, shields and such like. So, yeah, I can see this being the, 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 the beginning um, of a, a saga that will bring us all the way to, to the Super Bowl, I would say. Yeah. <clears throat> Houston have officially stated that Deshaun Watson is available for trade. 
Uh, reports indicate that they want, because yes, this makes sense, five high draft picks slash players as an opening offer. Um, this obviously comes as Deshaun Watson is reporting to the Houston camp uh, on the exemplars, but they seem to, they definitely don't seem to be expecting that he will be playing quarterback for them this year because he's not practicing with the ones. No, he's not practicing with the twos. He's practicing as a safety with the fours, if I remember correctly. The scout team, yeah. The scout team. And um, yeah, so they are obviously. I, I think some of this stems from the fact that the new legislation under the PA is that if someone wasn't to turn up, they have to find them regardless. There's no way that they can choose to waive that. So as it stands, Deshaun Watson has to turn up to practice. And this feels like the NFL needs to figure out a way around this because as it stands, their regulations mean he has to show up there, be in front of cameras and make the news every single day. And they do not want this happening. Um, so apparently Philadelphia already in talks about uh, him and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, which, it's... which they deny, but of course they would deny it until it actually happens. Why would you take the flack <laughs> before yeah. then but yeah like look this is it's a very unusual situation because obviously he can't sit out because of the the nfl rules because of the new cba where he would lose money so the team kind of has to accept him in and then i think the choice to put him on the scout team definitely feels like a statement of intent but i think he actually even picked up a knock within the first few days and kind of was taken off so i would imagine now that they've put him on the scout team showed him off he will probably pick up some niggly you know phantom injury and basically be kept out of sight for the rest of training camp because there's really literally no reason why houston would put him at risk uh, and not have him as a trade you know asset probably next off season so but if he picked up like a serious injury like an achilles injury that would jeopardize the value to get so from a purely cynical point of view they, they probably feel that they've made their point, put him on the scout team, kind of said that we don't like this guy. Now they can say he's got a foot injury or something. Let him just sit there and not talk about him and just move on with their lives, as it were, until next offseason where they try to get this huge amount of picks that they want, um, presumably on the hope that at that point his uh, legal issues have gone away. Um, but, whether they will go away or not is a, is another question, of course, depending on the truth of the allegations against him. But, Sean, not to, not to say overly stupid here but like surely if they are there and they're putting him on the scout team and they're making it clear they don't want to play him surely that depresses his trade value and it makes it more difficult for them to ask for five high draft picks because it's clear that they're not going to play him i mean it's ridiculous i mean it's it's a situation that okay maybe if you did this six months ago when before all this stuff came out and then he was probably worth five high draft picks plus players but now i i mean it's, it's surprising to hear that there are rumors that teams like philadelphia philly are going for it although i mean Philly have their own history of being accommodating to controversial QBs, so mm. they maybe don't think it, uh, care about it that much. But I would not think that a player who may very well not play at all in, in the coming year is worth anything, never mind uh, a whole bunch of players and picks uh, and the such like. I mean, it feels it almost feels like they would be trying to price him out of it. it, it that seems like the, the logic... It would be we give him such a high price that no one will go for it, but but they actually seem to want to trade him. Um, so it really makes no sense. I mean, it's not like the Texans are, are notorious for their joined up thinking in terms of their organizational approach or whatever. How but I just dare do not you? Understand. <laughs> they do not understand. They seem to be like, oh, we know that Deshaun Watson is a good quarterback, and therefore nothing else matters, uh, and therefore we can we can imagine that nothing else matters. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And if the Eagles pick him up, then they are. They, yeah, they they deserve everything that comes to them. Basically, like the thing, like can, 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 could you could you imagine play. being the fan of a franchise that goes out and goes, okay, we're going to give two firsts, a second, and two starting players to these guys for a quarterback who has thirty odd criminal charges pending. <laughs> yeah, well, like I, I would, sorry, like I would imagine that if the Eagles are talking at this point, obviously the Houston have said this is what we want from, but I would imagine they're probably saying, well, we'll give you a first firm or something like that. And basically, it's a it's a gamble gamble situation. Basically, where well, look, maybe he will be worth all these draft picks next off season because the legal issues will go away. But there's just as good a chance that he'll be basically effectively worthless a year from now or two years from now. So we'll give you a first round pick, and we'll gamble ourselves on that. I think what's really interesting though is that if they actively trade for him and he moves to another team, can the NFL at that point? just stand back and say, actually, we're not going to like continue to not put him on the exempt list. Because right now they can kind of go, well, 
look, they're sorting this out internally. This is a kind of team issue. We'll see what they do with him. But the moment that you trade him and you create this controversy around him as, as, as an individual, even more so than now, can the NFL at that point truly just sit back and do nothing and allow him to play until such a situation? Until and also, the, like, the, likes of, itself? the likes of Philly being on prime time four times a year, regardless of how good or bad they are, that it's not a, it'll be a very visible problem at that, that point as well. So yeah, a lot of a lot of reports and half, you know, uh, stuff being said at the moment. But we'll see if it actually goes anywhere. My bet is still um, that this is going to be put away until uh, next off season. Especially if say Jalen Hurts starts to struggle in say, week three or week four, and then this, this becomes the entire story of the season for the Eagles. So I mean, it's 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 just not worth the risk, even if there's a like a three percent chance that he ends up being eligible to play all 17 18 weeks and he's you know perfectly in the right headspace to do it and all the criminal problems go away i mean for that for that microscopic chance that the downside is just so tremendous on the other side that it just cannot be worth it regardless yeah. of the price they pay for it i do wonder if there's the ability to make because i know you can do um conditional elements on, on on trades and stuff i wonder can you do things that are that external of like i suppose you could just write it in as being like look if he plays x amount of games in year two you get another first or something because at that point you presumably that you that's a kind of a proxy into that right yeah like like houston will probably try to have some additional uh rewards if he actually manages to play but i think what they've said up front is their price is like the ideal price i would imagine if philly are actually talking to them and obviously as i said they're denying it at the moment but if they are talking to them based on the reports they're probably talking a much lower amount and basically asking houston like do you want to do you want to continue to gamble with this basically yeah uh we've had some bad news out of indianapolis colts camp as well so they're qb hopeful they picked up uh carson wentz has now got a foot injury he's going to be gone from anywhere between five and 12 weeks which means either back for the start of the season or back around week eight um that was bad enough and now they've got their i think second year player uh who's going to be he's never taken a snap in the nfl because there was no preseason last year um He's going to be doing their starting at the moment. But uh, to compound issues, then guard Quentin Nelson has also injured his foot and has also gone for 5 to 12 weeks. So this is a huge knock on a team that was hoping to be able to turn things around a bit this year. Only one only one solution for this is to bring in Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles or Gardner Minshew? I think both of those would be available. <laughs> the only problem is that no, I no, don't... For the narrative, it's got to be Nick Foles. I don't, I don't care about how good slash bad Minshew is. Well, also Minshew is in division, so they'd hardly trade him in division to them. <laughs> Um, yeah, you never know. and like, yeah. and this did prompt questions to Philip Rivers about whether he'd consider coming back, and he's like, "Oh, I'll never, never count it out, you know, because it's Philip Rivers. He's always bullshitting." Like, yeah, um, but yeah, so not, 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 not a great off season so far for Indianapolis. Um, I suppose with that, we'll move on. We'll have a look at the NFC South. So, first up, we have the Buccaneers, uh, Super Bowl-winning Buccaneers. Uh, they've added in Joe Tyrion, Joe Jones, Antonio Hamilton, Gio Bernard, Jalen Tarden, and Kyle Trask. Uh, they got rid of Joel Haig, Earl Watford, LeSean McCoy, Deontay Buchanan, uh, Steve McGlendon, TJ Ward, uh, Andrew Adams, and Ryan Smith. So, this is very much... Uh, the Chiefs last year ran on the um, slogan of run it back. This is very much the run it back team. I think they've returned all starters um, with the exception of or is Antonio Brown back on there yet? He is, isn't he? He is, yeah. Yeah, so they have actually brought everyone back um, because as, as much as LeSean McCoy was there, he wasn't starting running back for them. Um, so this is this is a full-on, we like what we had, so we're going to try and have some more of that, please. And to be fair, it was clicking really well at the back end of last year and it would be kind of it's always kind of stupidity to start just doubting Brady just because he's a little bit older because the man doesn't seem to really age like the rest of us do um this is a good offense and the defense was really firing at all cylinders at the back end of last year I would be expecting good things from them unless there's a particularly large age breakdown and it is a it is a team that has elements that skew quite old um but yeah, like this is a team that I would expect very strong things of. There, like, there doesn't feel like there's a lot in the additions and losses, and it's because there's not. This is essentially your Super Bowl winner from last year is going to try at it again. I mean, I think the question we have to ask ourselves when when it comes to the books is how do we interpret last season because they were 
you know, above average to occasionally mediocre for, say, the first 10, 11, 12 weeks. And then they went on this amazing run where they just seemed unstoppable. And you have to think, ask yourselves, was this the, we can call, call it the kind of Tony Romo theory that they finally clicked that they'd taken a while to get all the pieces knowing how they work together and now that they clicked they were an elite team and they were basically unstoppable or do we take it as things just kind of came together for them and they were a little bit lucky and and there are still fundamental problems underlying this team that are not going to go away because the team becomes a year older or not i mean i think the idea of running it back it, it concerns me a little in the sense that it sounds like the coaching, the coaching team really don't know what works and what doesn't other than this current thing works. They don't really understand it on a principle level as to why they succeeded. They only realize that these 22 players succeeded, so therefore, why won't they do it again? I don't know if there's an awful lot of kind of genius behind how the books approach other than Tom Brady just refuses to lose football games in the playoffs and their defense tried a couple of risky things and while it didn't pay off in the regular season it did pay off in the postseason so I would be a little bit wary about just assuming this team would be at the same quality because we've seen that they are the offense is fine I mean I think the offense can when Brady gets into playoff mode obviously can rack up the points but there's also capable of being stifled um, when things don't click and the defense does blow hot and cold that the Todd Bowles' galaxy brain worked as often, failed as often as it worked last season so I wouldn't just assume that just because they're not changing anything that they're going to be as good as last last year I still think they're going to be good because they do have you know people like Tom Brady and the the personnel around him to make that work but this could run off this could easily um, come off the rails just as easily the assumption that 22 players equals the same success as last year I, I just don't quite see that being true in every scenario look it doesn't have to be genius because the overall plan is have a bunch of talented players plus Tom Brady and just make that work and eventually even Bruce Arians was forced to bend his will to what Tom Brady wanted to run now they probably found a bit of a compromise there in the end but it did work and they do have major advantages this season namely that the rest of their division is significantly weaker in my opinion as we'll talk about now certainly their major competition over the last few years the Saints are going to be in a major transition period and and really only the Panthers might be strong because they get CMC back so overall they'll probably get more wins in division and they have less competition there so even if they did take a small step back I wouldn't expect that their record would, would take that much of a step back I think given everything that they did there given who what Tom Brady has done and given that they do have a, some older players that they rely on but they do have a lot of young players who can continue to get better like Antoine Winfield and Devin White and the offense still is stacked with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin, Antonio Brown, Gronk, OJ Howard like these guys they, they've done it they, they are elite players and the offensive line is so good I just yeah, I just don't see how this isn't a team that will continue to win at the very least around uh, like 10 to 11 games and be in the playoffs. And this year, I think that will be more than enough to uh, end up taking this particular division. So, you I know, mean, I don't I, doubt but, that they're going to be a playoff team. My question is, does that mean they're going to be a Super Bowl team? I think that well, is, I think there's, there's a big step up there from being they're good enough to win this poor division to saying they're good enough to re- to repeat basically there there isn't there isn't like you know the major competition is probably still green bay and then if you go beyond green bay there's obviously all the guys in the nfc west but outside of maybe the rams who we'll talk about next week with the the change they've made i don't see any of those teams have made that big leap forward where you kind of go okay now the tampa bay buccaneers are kind of um are in trouble there so if i I was the guest i would still think that them and green bay are, are the cream of the crop in this division with the rams being the wild card um but yeah, so I think the NFC isn't necessarily at its strongest right now. There isn't that stack of teams that you're kind of going in the AFC that these could all contend at the at the bottom at, at the you know the, at the other end of the season. Uh, but yeah, like winning a Super Bowl is hard. But if you're going to trust anyone to do it again and try and do it again, it's probably Tom Brady. Uh, and that that's basically all you have to say about this team. There isn't really that much interest to say except, do you think they can do it again? probably says that they probably won't do it again but if anyone can maximize those odds it's probably the buccaneers there is that degree of just you know fool me once shame on me fool me <laughs> twice 
Yeah, it's kind of the um, the don't necessarily count out Tom Brady because everyone was before him. It's that thing of just look. It's just an incredibly stacked offense. There's incredible wide receivers. Like they've got to risk at the tight end position because obviously Gronk looked great at the back end of last season. Was a slow start, but has such a history of injuries. You'd be worried about them lasting a full season. But they do have good other options there as well. Um, the defense, look, it's a year older. Will it be able to still hold up the same way? But yeah, look, it's yeah. I, 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 I've got them going pretty far. I've got them fourteen and three on NFC in going out in the NFC Championship. Ronan, yeah, thirteen and four, number two seed, NFC runner-up as well. Sean, so I, I have them eleven and six, which wins the division and gets them number two. And I do have them going to the NFC Championship game and losing, I think, to the Rams. But. Um, yeah, as I said, they're going to be good, but I don't necessarily think they're going to be Super Bowl winning good. That's interesting, because I think I may have them losing to the same team as well. <laughs> um, yeah, fun times. Um, and Harry has them going 14-3 and three and winning the Super Bowl for a second year, and he says, never count out touchdown Tom. Um, next up, we'll look at the Falcons. This is an interesting one at the moment. So head coach, defensive coordinator change, Arthur Smith and Dean Pease in. They brought in the uh, unicorn tight end, Kyle Pitts. Uh, Mike Davis is in there. Jalen Mayfield, Cordell Patterson, Chris Mannertz, uh, Eric Harris, Jerron Harmon, Fabian Moreau, and uh, Richard Grant. They lost Julio Jones in that trade. They also got rid of Todd Gurley, Brian Hill, Edo Smith, Luke Stocker, uh, Alex Mack, Justin McRae, James Carpenter, Keanu Neal, Charles Harris, Ricardo Allen, Darkeese Denard, and Demonte Kazi. Um, so this is an this is an interesting one because the Falcons, we've kind of had the same opinion of them for the last two or three years, where they're a team that has talent but completely mismanages it, doesn't know what to do, and doesn't really have a backbone. They had an offense with explosive pieces that were ever able to get over the edge. Um, their offensive line's probably not going to be fantastic this time around, but they've now got a top-end tight end there. They've lost uh, Julio Jones, so that one of their playmakers is gone, but does that just mean that they're going to change around what their approach is? Like, what does this uh, offense look like now these days? It's just, it's a bit, it's... It's got that feel of the potential if they had the right coach in place and the right plan in place that this could be a very interesting offense because they have always had quality players. But yeah, it's just one of those ones where the offense, it's going to have to change while also not having all that many pieces moving. Like it's still Matt Ryan there. It's just like, you know, can Kyle Pitts step up in year one and be a massive contributor? And then Dean Pease taking over that defense and the defense that we constantly pointed to is just being a well they're just going to lie down and just die after 25 minutes so just kind of let it be um what do we think i can see the potential here but i'm just i'm not sure at this kind of semi tear down that they're doing i just i i think they need to go and redo it or don't redo it there's no half arsing it yeah, but I think the the choice to do a full rebuild or not is intrinsically tied to the choice of quarterback. They have decided to keep Matt Ryan for one or potentially more years, depending how the season goes, and give him one more go, while they did that by ditching Julio Jones. And his splits without Julio Jones historically haven't been great, but of course they're hoping that Calvin Ridley has now matured to the level of being the next Julio Jones. And he's shown enough in the games that he's played that he has to but he already probably is good enough to be a wide receiver one but is he that julio jones like dominate every game can deal with double coverage triple coverage and stuff like that um or is he going to struggle um with that kind of pressure on him he had you know ever since julio's been out uh, last season there were some games where he did really well and some games where he basically completely disappeared so it'll be really interesting to see how matt ryan and calvin ridley can be the engine of this offense because outside of that you know, you're looking at the rookie Kyle Pitts. Maybe he can be the, you know, absolute freak that he's from the that he was considered to be from the draft process. But you're looking at someone there who's completely unproven at the NFL level, who is a very unique type of athlete. He's not like your traditional like inline tight end. He's not a Gronk type tight end. He's much more your kind of joker move tight end who you're kind of trying to make turn into almost a, a pseudo wide receiver. So that requires Arthur Smith to be clever and be able to make the most of him um, in that situation. And of course, you know, he's coming from a situation where he had Derrick Henry and was able to just run the ball like, you know, 300 times a season with Derrick Henry and dominate that way. Now he's going to be relying on Mike Davis to be the running back. And if the running game doesn't work, and that's a fairly decent chance if you have Mike Davis as your running back and you're rolling out an offensive line that is 
flattered to deceive many times in recent years, then you're obviously going to go, okay, that, that Matt Ryan has to run this offense. He has to be the, you know, the way the run pole offense needs to run through him. And then, yeah, like that, that's kind of going to be the big question for them. If that works, then Matt Ryan might stick around and they build around him, continue to build around him. But if that doesn't work, then this could be a team that chooses to go for a more full rebuild next offseason by trading Matt Ryan, getting a bunch of picks for that. Um, so right now, yeah, they're kind of, as you say, a semi-rebuild. It'll be really interesting to see how this works out and really see if Arthur Smith from the hype that he had from Tennessee and making that offense, uh, you know, so interesting if he can replicate something like that here. Like, I'm probably erring on the side just due to the lack of talent, which partially is explained by the complete lack of cap space they had, which is probably why they had the trade Julio Jones, for example. Um, just means that they're too constrained on talent to really make this last gasp of the Matt Ryan era work. And yeah, I think a full rebuild, in my opinion, is probably on the horizon next season. I mean, it's my, my concern, I guess, with this team is I don't think there's a tremendous amount of, I mean, just talent generally, but also depth of talent in the receiving core. I mean, you, you talked about Calvin Ridley, but I mean, who else do they have if that doesn't work out? I mean, this this kid, Kyle Pitts, is supposed to be the, the future, you know, but tight ends, even the very best tight ends, didn't hit the ground uh, in their first season all that strongly. It usually takes a year or two for tight ends can settle into the NFL. You've got a head coach in Arthur Smith who, I mean, was his reputation built on the fact that he had Derrick Henry to drive his, his offense in its peak years? I mean, you look at the way that the Titans' offense was last season, an awful lot was built around the threat that Henry posed, either in terms of the yards he collected himself or the kind of decoy of him uh, in passing play. So without that, does do we have any evidence that Arthur Smith is, is going to be a top-level um, um, uh, offensive coordinator? So, I mean, and Matt Ryan, I mean, sure, he's, I suppose talented but he is i mean he's getting on and he hasn't really had an excellent season in a very long time i think he's very much past past his peak in terms of that um and their defense is terrible i mean the the pff i think rates their defensive line is the 31st in the league ahead only of the texans um and again there's not an awful lot of talent there i mean grady jarrett is going to have to carry the entire burden um of the falcons defense uh, because there really isn't anyone else so i mean it's just there isn't there isn't any talent here at all and it doesn't feel like the pieces they brought in are the solution to anything so i mean yeah full rebuild you got to have the you got to have the the courage to do that though to to be like matt to kick matt ryan out to 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 really begin at square one and julio jones is interesting for a step the willingness to let him go with his numbers perhaps slightly on the decline, but I think they really should have gone to get rid of Ryan as well and start right at the bottom in rebuilding because uh, a piecemeal rebuild is just going to be a rebuild that has to be done two or three times over before it's done right. Well, they yeah. tried that for the last three or four seasons and it hasn't really worked. The reliving those glory days, in question mark, <laughs> uh, since 28 and 3, it's just been treading water and this just feels like Arthur Smith's been given one chance to see if he can make this float but uh yeah i don't think any of us are particularly uh, entranced with that uh, prospect it's funny as well because like <clears throat> there is that element of well we don't trust him massively matt ryan if he had talent around him you kind of think can do stuff like could you imagine how different i think we all, i always end up going to this team as an example could you imagine how differently we would think about the denver broncos if they had him under center for them with their roster like it is a no, thing like, where I think that there would be, particularly particularly if they start really badly, like three or four games in, and it's just going to shit, and one or two of the other ones are semi-performing, but they don't have the quarterback to do it, that this could be a spot for a mid-season trade. Uh, I don't know what the Falcons would be doing in that spot. Presumably they'd receive someone back uh, as well as picks or something. But yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, just get get Drew Locke uh, or, Jesus, or Teddy Bridgewater. Wow, great options. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like something like that could happen. I've 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 got them going okay enough this year. The change in head coach, defense coordinator gets a little bit more out of them, and I have them getting ten wins enough to get to the wild card, but just get knocked out there. Yeah, that would be a really good result, I think. Uh, I have less optimistic, six and eleven, uh, kind of just a season where Arthur Smith makes his mark, and then he'll be able to do a full rebuild next off season, presumably with a new quarterback. Yeah, I have them seven and ten largely because the division they're in is is poor enough that they're going to pick up a few wins regardless. But um, they're not going to make any splash 
certainly will be out of contention pretty quickly, I think, in terms of no. And Harry has them going 7-10 and 10 as well. Uh, next up, we have the Panthers, who have decided that the future is bright. The future is Sam Darnold. <clears throat> they bring in... <clears throat> They bring in Sam Darnold on trade from the New York Jets. They also add in Pat Elflin, uh, Cam Irving, Terrence Marshall, Dan Arnold, Brady Christensen, Tommy Tremble, JC Horn, Hassan Raddick, Morgan Cox, AJ Bouye, Denzel Perryman, and Dequan Jones. Uh, they get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, no. Um, they also then get rid of Curtis Samuel, Mike Davis, Russell Okun, Alex Ama, uh, Chris Reed, Chris Manhurts, Colin Short, Stephen Weatherby, F.A. Obada, Trey Boston, Cornelder, and Tahir Whitehead. So, look, there is a... I suppose an argument to be made that Sam Darnold only looked that bad because of Adam Case. There might be a reclamation project here. There might be something you can do. I would probably take the potential upside of a non-Adam Gase-controlled Sam Darnold over what they were getting out of Teddy Bridgewater last season, if I'm honest. Uh, I didn't see anything out of that that would make me uh, excited, but I'm also not mad excited by what I'm seeing on this team right now. Um, They've got a young defense. Maybe they can step up a little bit with that. Um, Some nice pieces there as well. Sandra Reddick, Morgan Cox, people like that. Um... But yeah, look, this is this is the big question of like this is the second year for this new setup on offense. This is the second quarterback in that system. There's quite a lot of movement on offensive line and one or two of the skill positions. Like, is this a year where we're expecting to see that what the vision is for this offense and it betting in and it showing us what they're going to be longer term, or is this treading water because they didn't? find an answer at the quarterback position and they've decided to try and rethread a already failing uh, first round pick from four years ago I, I think that's a little harsh on Sam Darnold I mean yes he hasn't proven himself but as you said he was you know, working in hell for the past three years um, and certainly he's an upgrade on Teddy Bridgewater in terms of excitement and potential we, mm-hmm. we know what Teddy Bridgewater can do and it's not enough to win that many games we don't really know what Sam Darnold can do. We also don't really, you know, we don't, we can't be confident that he can do things. We know he can, he kind of got big throws. Do we know there is much else in his game? I, I think at least Darnold allows him to open up the playbook a bit more and, and give us more of a sense of what Matt Rule and uh, Joe Brady want from this offense. And I, I do have some time for the, for the coaching. I think Rule is a good coach and Brady is unproven, but I mean, it's, there's definitely potential there. They could be an exciting team, definitely much more exciting than they were last year. And maybe for the fan base in this first year, that's that's enough. I I I mean, it's it's not something you write off on day one in the way that you can, for example, write off a Teddy Bridgewater offense first off of day one and say, okay, they might win eight nine games, but they're not going to get too much. This could go well. It could e- equally as well uh, go badly. Um, but I mean, I have a little bit of faith uh, in terms of that. Um, the, the the problems maybe are more on the defense. They certainly last year their defense was just too passive, and they're going to need to work on that um, a little bit in terms of you know working and performing on the big downs. But this offense, I mean, certainly with CMC back and healthy, he will contribute a lot to it. The question is taking that burden off his shoulders, and I think Darnold is the kind of guy who can who can do the Tannehill thing of stepping up, you know, a, a certain number of times in a game with the big throw or, or, or the big play uh, and getting them down the field and certainly pushing them more towards the, maybe the bottom edge uh, of playoff contention. Yeah, I think this is one of the hardest teams to get a read on where you expect them to finish up this season. Obviously, you have the change in quarterback where Sam Darnold, like the variance on, is he a complete bust or is he someone who actually is a, you know, a genuine talent who was just misused in, in New York and misused by Adam Gase, as you said. That... Basically, could be anywhere on the spectrum from a complete, like, absolutely terrible to actually a very interesting young quarterback still. And obviously, he's been put into a situation where you have this Joe Brady, the kind of uh, wunderkind from the LSU college offense, which never really went anywhere last season. But was that because of Teddy Bridgewater or was that because Christian McCaffrey missed most of last season? And of course, Christian McCaffrey coming back um, because he didn't play last season, we don't really know what this offense looks like fully with the CMC experience included because we know that he is one of the few running backs who can genuinely invigorate an offense almost single-handedly because he's such a flexible player. Their offensive line 
last year was pretty trash so they've made a huge number of changes both in free agency and in the draft and you know they've also invested further into the defense which kind of wasn't great last year but there were kind of things that made you think okay this this isn't a complete joke this is a defensive coordinator on a coaching staff that can get talent out there because Jeremy Chin was probably the best rookie defensive player last year they have Brian Burns who I think is po is definitely poised to make a breakout one of these seasons Derek Brown was highly rated when he was drafted in the top five, like top 10 last year and they bring in guys like Hassan Reddick and AJ Bouye uh, who, who could uh, potentially get their careers back in front and of course they draft JC Horn one of the top rated corners in the draft as well so uh, so that's a situation where I don't know if that defense is going to be terrible again because they've shown that they can get talented players to play well. It's just a matter of if they can do that on a kind of consistent uh, defense-wide level and then they can fix whatever issues existed there. So yeah, like this entire team to me is a bit of a mystery with question marks from top to bottom, um, from QB to, to, to defensive back. But, you know, Matt Rule, um, he obviously came with a lot of hype from the college level. Joe Brady came with a lot of, a lot of hype from the college level. It'll be really interesting to see what they can make this team do. Um, for now, I think we're all kind of playing it relatively safe that they'll probably still be kind of average. Um, except for you, Connor. I think you, you don't like them. But uh, <laughs> that, 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 like, that will, like, I think Sam Darnold will decide if this is a team that um, is a genuine contender in the sense of getting to the playoffs or will be kind of treading water again and looking for that quarterback. But I think it, that won't be the only interesting question about where this team as a whole is going and whether this coaching staff really lives up to the uh, kind of the hype that certain quarters seem to have for them as due to their college careers. Yeah, look, we'll see. Like I said, there's there's definitely upside here for like CMC coming back makes it a much easier job for the quarterback. It will take a lot of pressure off Sam Darnold. Um, he does have experience. He obviously played with Robbie Anderson beforehand in, uh, in 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 New York, so maybe there's some connection there that'll be able to help him hit the ground running. Uh, it could it could work out. I just don't know. I've I've not seen enough from them to think that it will. Um, so I've 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 got the lowest of these. I've got them going four and thirteen. I don't think it works at all. Eight and nine uh, for me, number eleven in the NFC. But as I say, it's this is one of the highest variance teams in 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 the NFL this year. I think. Yeah, yeah. Sean? I have them going seven and ten, but that's more of an indication that they could be anywhere from kind of four and thirteen to eleven and six. I think. Yeah. Um, but more likely to to finish up around seven, eight, maybe nine wins. Yeah, Ari's got them going eight and nine as well. Um, fair enough. Kind of a mid a mid table. See, that's the problem. I think is that if they end up in that awkward mid table spot, like, do, do they have to spend draft capital to move up to get a quarterback? How do they fix it? Like, you know, it's it's. I I I'd be more worried about them getting stuck in mediocrity than anything else. Um, next up, the final team of the NFC South, and probably the most interesting. Um, kind of turnaround there's an awful lot of movement here the Saints uh, they bring in Peyton Turner uh, Tano Casanio um, K-Pass as we call him Nick Vinette Alex Arma Landon Young Pete Werner and uh, Paulson Adebo they obviously lose the big one QB Drew Brees has retired and uh, for all those hopeful Saints truthers out there who think that he might come back and just play in a final season with them. He has had interviews where he's discussed about how his body has broken down since stopping playing, <laughs> and he is in far worse shape than he was it then. It was breaking down at the end of the season as well. You could see that. Yeah. Um, they also lost Trey Hendrickson, Janoris Jenkins, Sheldon Rankins, Malcolm Brown, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Burton, Josh Hill, and Nick Easton. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of players gone. So. We've obviously got a QB controversy at the moment. Um, camp battle between uh, Winston and Hill for the quarterback position. Uh, we know that the head coach has his love of Hill and has used him in certain spots beforehand. Winston has been taking a lot of press conferences at the moment and seems to be kind of doing a bit more of the face work uh, that you would expect the starting quarterback to be doing. But this is a uh, this is it's a tough one for them because their their wide receiver one is essentially gone for the season with a foot injury. Their wide receiver three currently has some uh, some, some some legal issues that are probably going to keep him out some time. Um, like, what does this what does this team look like? Like we've got okay, we've got Alvin Kamara, cool, he's good. Thomas is gone, so it's Traquan Smith and Marquise Cataway maybe Deontay Harris. <laughs> I don't little, know. Little John Humphrey or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah. like I, I don't really 
get this a huge amount. Uh, on defense, they lost a, a couple of people as well, but there's still there's still some talent in that defense. It's maybe not as strong as it was previously, but like you look at this offense, you kind of go, oh, I don't know. Like maybe running a kind of semi wildcard operation with Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara is the is the solution because. I look at this Saints team and I find it really hard, particularly with the wide receiver one out, just like to see how this offense goes. Yeah, like it's it's a very strange season. And I think if you believe the team will do all right, and I'm actually on, probably on the upper side in terms of them probably getting to that 9-10 win type of standard, it's probably because you trust in Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton has shown enough that he rarely gets a really terrible team um, but of course that's all been true at the Drew Brees era um, but if you put Sean Payton in the same levels as the can I say Pete Carroll's Andy Reid say just the level below um, the, the Bill Belichick's basically like the really really good coaches um, then you don't expect this team to collapse in itself but when you look at the roster there is a non-trivial chance that they should collapse in itself as, as you pointed out the wide receiver position is a complete question mark with Michael Thomas basically out from one to three months and it's not like the relationship between the team and Thomas has been particularly uh, nice over the last few years so Traquan Smith has never shown anything to me to say that he is a wide receiver one he's at best a wide receiver two or three and really even then I, I'd be question marked so yeah you have Callaway uh, Deontay Harris was supposed to start but obviously he's not uh, he's not probably going to be there because of a suspension um, so then yeah you're bringing like little John Humphrey and whoever like whatever veteran they happen to pick up off the, the scrap heap like Des Bryant or something like that and so you're kind of going okay well like what are what are the things that do make sense in this offense well the offensive line should still be good um, that's a really good offensive line from end to end there's no weak point there um, based on what we've seen from all these players they all have experience and Alvin Kamara but with Alvin Kamara you're kind of going well the problem is that Alvin Kamara is he's, like he's a good running back it's just a running back but his 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 special skill is his ability to take like screens and balls on the field and make something special from them and use his you know alien juke technology to absolutely embarrass people but the people that you're going to have a quarterback is either Taysom Hill who much rather runs himself in situations where doing a dump off makes sense and Jameis Winston who historically was confused by the idea of dump offs he's like oh, dump offs what are those I don't do those so you have two quarterbacks and who tends to run himself actually as well at a certain point so you have two quarterbacks who are basically the complete opposite of a Drew Brees or a Philip Rivers where you know if the play breaks down just give it to Kamara and see what he can do these are two guys who either are like just run the ball the brigades broke down just run the ball or just heave it down the field in the case of James Winston in particular just like fuck that ball down the field and let's just see what happens and he's talked a lot about I'm going to make better decisions but look does anyone really believe that James Winston will ever start making better decisions not personally <laughs> uh, speaking like he made the decision to go to the Saints I suppose that's one good decision so maybe he can string two or three of them together but over the course of a season I'm not really seeing it so Alvin Kamara what made him such a superstar with Drew Brees, I kind of feel that neither of these guys really play into his strengths and are, are optimized to make him, Alvin Kamara, the focus of this offense, which he really should be now that they're in the post-Drees era. And then on the defense, like there are obviously lots of talented players like Cam Jordan and uh, Marshawn Lattimore, although he's also potentially facing a suspension. But you also see lots of like little gaps and lack of depth there. We know Anya Mad is going to miss some time at the start of the season due to a suspension. So you're relying on guys like Shai Tuttle and Malcolm Roach, which do feel like Madden made-up names, let's be honest. <laughs> and so this is just a situation where, yeah, they, they drafted like uh, some rookies like Peyton Turner and Pete Werner and maybe they'll be expected to make contributions early on with Dennis Allen because like Dennis Allen has looked really good the last few years since they've had all this talent on the defense but he was also defensive coordinator when this defense couldn't stop anything and Drew Brees had to go for 5,000 yards a season to make the whole thing work so yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna put my trust in terms of my prediction later on that Sean Payton can make this very rickety like uh, <laughs> rick rickety thing work but uh, there is very much reason to believe that this thing could fall off the rails very quickly. I, I'm actually a little worried now because um, I drafted Kamara in, in my fantasy, fantasy league <laughs> at the weekend based largely on the belief that this Saints offense would be all Kamara all the time and now to hear that actually uh, it doesn't work and that the QB and the uh, Kamara aren't, aren't going to be on the same page well, sounds like a disastrous 
situation. Yes, I mean, but yeah, there is literally no one else on the team to do anything. So it's okay, Sean. Okay. If you're if you're that worried, I will trade you Traquan Smith for <laughs> Alvin Kamara. I'll, I'll I'll see how the first few weeks go, and then maybe I'll, I'll look to jump him off. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the big worry with the Saints is is Sean Payton. For all his you know being a great coach, or whatever, he seems to love Taysom Hill. He seems to think that Taysom Hill is some kind of football messiah come to change the game completely. And I I just I mean, the guy has no talent as an actual quarterback, regardless of his talents as other positions on the field. And I just, I just worry that Peyton will just decide that his guy is his guy. The fact that they've made no effort whatsoever to try and upgrade on either, you know, the non-quarterback Taysom Hill and the the interception machine Jameis Winston, is is a bad sign because it seems to think that they think that this will work. I just. Yeah, it, it feels like the quarterback could be a complete disaster area. And then, especially without Thomas at wide receiver, and then you're very much reliant on Kamara, hoping that he can have uh, like a 2,000-yard season kind of thing. And I, I mean, he has the talent for it, but it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And then on the, offense, on the defensive side, I mean, they're still probably a top 10 defense just about, but the loss of people like Hendrickson and to a lesser extent Sheldon Rankins are going to hurt them. So this team is going to regress from from the past few years the question is how far and if we're reliant on sean payton propping this up by sheer you know coaching talent then i'm gonna have to be a little bit more pessimistic uh, than than fits and, and i can see this being a season that doesn't go anywhere at all um and they could have a very bad season indeed yeah, yeah like for for me when i say i'm trusting sean payton that's more in the sense of saying that there's a floor to how bad this team can be with a coach like that, like similar to how Mike Tomlin and uh, people like Harbaugh yeah. and, and Carroll always seem to get at least around the mid table, like eight and eight or eight and nine, whatever it would be now. Um, that's what I'm kind of saying that that doesn't necessarily, but because like, if you look at the talent alone, outside of Kamara and the offensive line, this could easily be a four or five win type of roster based on the huge gaps that exist on this roster. Yes, and speaking of which, I've given them six wins. <laughs> 6 and 11 best for number 12 I think the worst performance under him as a head coach with the Saints I think I believe so yeah I think he was around 8 and 8 for many many seasons for a mm. while wouldn't he uh, I have been going 10 and 7 getting the last wild card but uh, not getting further than that this is this is just a a bit of a huge question mark at the moment um, so we'll see how it goes should be fun though yeah I gave them eight and nine, which I, I made these predictions before Thomas went out, so I would almost be inclined to knock a few wins off that. Eight and nine, in, in my view, based on how weak the NFC is, is actually, I think, good enough to sneak into the number seven spot, that number seven seed that should not exist because only the top six teams should make the playoffs um, to be eliminated <laughs> in the wild card. But I would, I would downgrade that now to maybe seven and ten, even six and eleven is quite possible given uh, the just deficit of talent on this team. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to reiterate, we made all these predictions before we started this preview series. We'll stick to that. Before uh, at the end of the the last podcast, we may do a slight revisions. Depends on time and effort required. Yeah, yeah and uh, and Harry's gone five and twelve, and they're agreeing with me on the much more on the down end of this of this combo. So none of us are buying the Jameis after LASIK won't throw thirty interceptions. Then no. <laughs> He'll throw 40 interceptions. <laughs> this time <laughs> he can just nature. throw more accurately to the other team. Um, yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, so any crack with yourselves for the weekend, lads? Yeah, just uh, tipping away. Nothing too exciting. Uh, watch a bit of sport and then, uh, yeah, maybe heading the town or something. Yeah. Just soccer is back. Soon, yeah. Well, it depends whether you count that particular opener game. Like, to be fair, the NFL is technically back this week. Oh, yeah, the Hall of Fame game is on tonight, is it? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, it depends how you define back, Sean, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, we have another week before the proper games kick off, but officially the English football season begins on Saturday. So, yeah, it's back after only a month away. Yeah, it's great. I'm overjoyed. Um, <laughs> I can hear it in your voice. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. So we're heading down to Galway Mayo for the next two or three days and then back on Sunday to do a, our 40th wedding anniversary for the wife's parents. So that should be good. Shout out to Maraid if you've listened this far. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> 
you 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 just survived that vaccine, all right? You you you're getting you're leveling up, and uh, hopefully you don't have uh, too many bad effects uh, tomorrow. I think uh, it's usually the day after that you actually get side effects, unfortunately. So you you can't quite know if you've uh, fully got over it at this point in time. But we're rooting for you, Connor. Fun times, fun times. Yeah, uh, at least it'd just be like hopping on a bus and then getting a lift from Galway. So it shouldn't be too hard in us tomorrow, hopefully. But yeah, should be uh, should be good fun. Um, I suppose that wraps up for this week. Next week we'll be looking at the NFC West. It'll be our final preview of the one, and then we'll kind of wrap up everything else uh, that we need to. And um, we'll be facing into the start of preseason and all of that kind of stuff. So it'll be uh, it'll be fun times. But uh, I suppose for now it's a uh, bye for myself, bye from Ronan, bye, bye from John. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.